1: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook where we post all of our content. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, tell Alexa to play Locked On Packers. Find us on Spotify, Google Play, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the show for Packer fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that at 920-341-3775. It is crossover Thursday. We had to push it a little bit. Part of that is because Locked on Cardinals is a partner show. It's a duo, so trying to coordinate the schedule with with two other people rather than just one is pretty near impossible, and we were able to do it, and I, I appreciate those guys taking the time, and, and I know what you're thinking. Uh, do we really need to spend that much time talking about the Arizona Cardinals? They're a dog team, and they have a dog first-year coach, it seems anyway. It doesn't seem like Steve Wilkes is very good at all uh Matt Patricia same thing in Detroit both of those guys frankly might get fired and that uh, they both really do just seem like just really inept and incompetent and it does also seem like Arizona was not super stoked to hire him but i understand packer fans not being really excited about this game not being particularly excited to talk about the cardinals because they're they're pretty bad really bad probably the worst team in the league and I understand that, but it is an interesting conversation because we don't, we don't really spend a ton of time breaking down the game itself. It's more about some similarities between Josh Rosen and Aaron Rodgers and the coaching search for both teams and, and just some broader stories as they relate to what's going on with each team because right now when we're not really in the in a position to talk about playoff scenarios it's tough to, to get into a lot of other interesting discussions about a game that people don't really care about so and I understand that and I don't want to waste anyone's time I, I still want people to feel very much engaged with what we're doing here I, I want them to feel like I'm still providing value to their fan experience because that's what this is about I want to inform and entertain And I think we can spend a little bit more time now that the stakes are a little bit lower on the entertainment part of this because everyone needs to be reminded at various times, myself included, that this is just a game and we follow it because we love it and it's fun and you know, when when we need to talk about serious things, when we need to talk about the Packers' next head coach, we're going to spend a whole show doing that like we did yesterday with Jason. And we're going to spend a lot more shows doing that. And we're going to spend more shows talking about Aaron Rodgers and, and what exactly has gone wrong there. And there was an interesting stat that, that we're going to talk a little bit more tomorrow about the Packers' offense that came out yesterday about the middle of the field and, and no team attacks the middle of the field less frequently than Green Bay, despite the fact that used to be a staple component of this offense under Mike McCarthy. And they specifically added bodies who can make hay in the middle of the field and have been unable to do it for myriad reasons. We're going to talk about all of that tomorrow. Uh, the, The injury report is loaded with players for both teams. So not only are neither of these teams particularly good this season, At least to this point, they're both pretty banged up. So, you know, Green Bay has Aaron Rodgers, they're at home. There really shouldn't be much more to say beyond that when it comes to determining how this game is going to play out and what the outcome is going to be. And I know there's been some discussion about Aaron Rodgers' mechanics, and I made the comparison on Twitter yesterday that Aaron Rodgers' mechanics are kind of like LeBron James' jump shot. They're the two best players in the world at their respective sports. And they do things a little bit differently. LeBron is the most efficient, modern scorer and player, full stop, we've ever seen. Aaron Rodgers, the most efficient quarterback we've ever seen. And LeBron doesn't have a great jump shot. And he is not a great free throw shooter. And he's a streaky three-point shooter. But when he's scoring 50 or when he's putting up 36-8-8, eight, and eight, we're not talking about, oh, he's not a great jump shooter. He's not Steph Curry. He's not Kevin Durant. It's the same thing with Aaron Rodgers. So much of what makes Rodgers great is his ability to make off-platform throws, his ability to make something out of nothing, to Houdini a play, and to run around and make a play, to roll out of the pocket and make a play, to extend the play and, and create something down the field. And so when he doesn't do that, when he tries to make a play and d- fails to do it, we're suddenly criticizing his mechanics. And, and I'm not saying that his mechanics don't deserve some level of criticism. And, and I don't think that it's unfair to criticize LeBron James's jump shot at times. And that, that he falls in love with it at times when you're LeBron James, go to the rim and bully someone, or go to the block and bully someone. I think it's the same for Aaron Rodgers. Do the things that that make you so great with your arm strength and accuracy and anticipation. Don't always try and do this other thing, despite the fact that when that other thing is working, it's part of what makes you so great. Aaron Rodgers addressed this directly by saying, basically, look, it's funny how I get all this credit for some of the non-traditional stuff that I do. But then when it doesn't work quite as well, suddenly it's a huge problem. And I think he's absolutely right about that. And speaking of going cold, don't go cold this winter. Use Action Heat, the best battery-heated clothing on the market. Perfect for any friend or family member for your holiday gift list. Great for someone who loves to be outdoors, hiking, camping, skiing, snowboarding, or anyone that just loves Loves to be outside and hates to be cold. It really is as simple as that. Action Heat clothing provides toasty warmth and comfort for your whole body, including heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and even undergarments like heated base layers, shirts, and long johns. You can stay warm and cozy from head to toe with Action Heat. Action Heat is available in men's and women's and has great new styles and models just released for the winter season. And just for Locked On Packers listeners, Action Heat wants to give you 20% off your entire order when you go to actionheat.com slash locked on. That's actionheat.com slash locked on and use the coupon code On at checkout to save 20%. All right, let's get to Crossover Thursday. Locked On Packers, Locked On Cardinals, Alex Clancy, at Bo Brack. This should be fun. Let's jump right in. When you guys look at, you know, this roster... You can point to talented players at a handful of positions, but for the most part, you you go, okay, they, they need help at a number of premier positions, including receiver. Uh, the secondary is not what it used to be outside of Patrick Peterson. The The Sam Bradford contract that was signed before the season, as silly as it seemed to most outsiders— signals to me that this front office thought that they were a better team than they were coming into the year. I mean, what did you guys think of this team coming into the year? And is this more or less the team you thought you were getting?
2: It was Steve Keim misidentifying a rebuild. He thought that he could push this core forward one more year. And despite, you know, coming off that 2015 season where they made it to the NFC Championship they could rebound. You know, they had the big Super Bowl aspirations in 2016, 2017. They tried to get back and become playoff contenders again, and they fell horribly f- short of those expectations. So they thought, okay, so we've got this core. We've got a pass rusher in Chandler Jones. We've got a lockdown corner in Patrick Peterson. We've got a, uh, a running back in David Johnson. We've got a wide receiver in Larry Fitzgerald, and we think we have a quarterback that can that can keep this team in contention Well, Sam Bradford, I mean, he's just, he's fooled everybody. I mean, the guy is just, as far as marketing himself and getting paid, he's an all-time, he's a Hall of Famer as far as fooling the NFL into believing that he's a good quarterback. When his ceiling...
1: The greatest bank robber ever.
2: Unbelievable, yeah. Seven wins is his career high as far as single season's concerned. 21 touchdowns. That's his career high in touchdown passes, and yet he continued to get paid. I think... People are, are, are done finally being fooled by Sam Bradford, but shame on the Cardinals for being the final team to get fooled by that. And then you look at this team overall, their depth is just horrible. And you mentioned the wide receiver core. If your name isn't Christian Kirk or Larry Fitzgerald, it's, it's 17 combined catches for the rest of this wide receiver core. That's just atrocious. And that's just been a continual just – I don't know burying your head in the sand that this position needs help outside. Maybe it was Larry Fitzgerald provided them a crutch for so long, but it's it's been a, it's gotten worse and worse each and every season, and the team needs to identify. Steve Kime, though, the general manager, is not the guy that that's going that should be doing it, should be making these decisions when they're going to have a ton of cap space next offseason. They're going to have high draft picks. Steve Kime has shown that he's not the guy to identify talent going forward. We'll see, and it's funny.
0: A beautiful thing about doing a podcast with two people is, we don't always have to agree, and it makes for a great podcast. I completely disagree with what Bo just said about Sam Bradford. I think, and we and we've talked about this uh, a lot over the last few months, is that nobody wanted to come play here, nobody wanted to come coach here. So I think, in my opinion, so the Cardinals didn't get their first shot; they didn't get their first choice head coach or quarterback. Kirk Cousins chose elsewhere. Alex Smith got traded. There were a couple other names that, uh, that were strewn about in the area. At the point of signing Sam Bradford, they had zero quarterbacks on the roster under contract. So the fact that Sam Bradford was still available, they're like, you know what? We need a quarterback. We need a singular quarterback. Mike Glennon's not going to be our starter. They ended up signing him later, and they didn't realize that they were going to be able to move up and, and, and draft Josh Rosen because they thought that he was going to be gone by the time that they moved up to 10 to get him. It's a lot of speculation right there. I think that they had their third or fourth chance, third or fourth choice, and that's why Sam Bradford became a Cardinal, honestly.
1: Well, it, seemed, it seems like Steve Wilkes was their third or fourth coaching choice as well. And and back to your point about the receivers, I was looking at the depth chart the other day and, and was thinking after Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk that this was the, the cast of a Netflix show that I didn't watch because I, <laughs> I, I was trying to figure out who some of these guys were. I think there's some interesting uh, parallels, Josh Rosen with Aaron Rodgers, and I don't know if you guys saw it, around draft time, Rodgers did a video with Josh Rosen where Rodgers said you know you, you, there are times when practicing can be monotonous and that he would sometimes just give himself little challenges and and basically admitted to goofing off during practice just to stay engaged it seems like Josh Rosen is the kind of quarterback who is highly intelligent highly cerebral and needs a coach who's going to challenge him and and engage him intellectually Rodgers is exactly the same way and and is you know, as we discussed, the kind of quarterback that needs that from a coach, it sounds like Byron Leftwich versus Mike McCoy is doing that a little bit more. And maybe it's because Leftwich played the position and and sort of knows which buttons to press. Uh, but if you're if you're looking at what this coaching staff has done with Rosen, do you think they've they've handled him the right way at least since Mike McCoy's been shown the door? Yeah, they're trying to get back on track, and everything
2: we hear from Byron Leftwich has been 100% spot on. I mean, not only does he want Josh Rosen to utilize his rookie season and learn from every situation, good and bad, but he wants to set Rosen up for the long term. He wants him to be a, a successful quarterback in the NFL for 10 to 15 years, and he draws from his own experience as being a top-10 pick himself, playing quarterback in the league for 10 seasons. Byron which absolutely, I, I believe, is the guy to – kind of walk hand in hand with Josh Rosen into the future. Is he going to be put in a position to be successful by his head coach? I, I can't necessarily answer that question with 100% you know, positivity. I, as far as Steve Wilkes is concerned, he's a conservative by nature, defensive-minded head coach. Is he going to let Byron Leftwich, a young play caller, kind of flourish and do the things that he needs to do to make sure Josh Rosen's successful? That's a whole different question. But I really like what Bayer Leftwich has said. He's won all the press conferences as far as his game calling is concerned. I think he was handicapped by what was installed by Mike McCoy. And I'll be interested to see if the Cardinals keep Leftwich in a position of play calling beyond this season, what he'll do in the future. I I th- I, I really like what Leftwich has done. Of course, he he's he's got just he was behind the eight ball as far as getting a hold of the offense in week eight. And uh, the personnel issues, as far as what Steve Kime has given, as far as wide receivers and the offensive line, it's. It, I mean, it's just a tough hand that he's been dealt. But I like Byron Leftwich, I, I, and I would love to see him stick with Josh Rosen in some capacity, whether it's his OC. Who knows? He could be the freaking head coach of this team next year.
0: Anything's up in the air. This everything's so, up in the air. But
2: earth. to answer your question, I,
1: I really like Byron Leftwich. I'm I'm wondering as you're speaking, and this hadn't occurred to me before, but. It seems like you're you're kind of making the case for a coach like John Harbaugh to come in and potentially say, "Okay, offense, Byron Leftwich, you got this. I'm going to let you handle it. I'm going to play a CEO yeah. role." And, you know, the Ravens obviously, that was a, a defense first team, but part of that was because they never had a good quarterback and they never had really, you know, they won the Super Bowl with Jim Caldwell for crying out loud. Uh, Byron Leftwich might be the best offensive coordinator John Harbaugh ever had in a situation (laughs) like that. So, I mean, assuming that is someone who's available and, and he's, you know, interested, it sounds like that's, that's the case you're making for a coach like that.
2: Yeah. And I think a veteran head coach would probably be the best bet for this team as far, if you're going to keep some of the key veterans that you have, some of the guys that we mentioned, Patrick Peterson, if, if if he could reconcile with this franchise after his trade request earlier in the season, John Harbaugh would be great. And it also ends our argument about offensive and defensive-minded guys because he's a special teams guy. I mean, he's he's <laughs> right. just a delegator, as, as you were kind of pointing out, and you're right. I mean, Byron Leftwich, if he's empowered by his head coach and John Harbaugh to to really take this offense and and make it what he wants of it and, and take Josh Rosen to the next level – um that's, that's going to be great. And I, I really appreciated what you said. It, it is interesting because Rosen and Rogers have been connected since uh, you know the pre-draft process. And uh, I liked what Rosen had to say recently about how a lot of people just want to see – they see these rookie-scale contracts. They see these rookie quarterbacks that struggle where it's a Jared Goff or it's a Mitchell Trubisky take the next step in the next season. And Rosen pointed out, I was like – it, it doesn't automatically mean just because I'll be playing and probably starting next year for this team that I'm not going to be taking more lumps you know he realizes that this it's it's going to be more work put into it than just showing up for work
1: well and, and that's a, that's an expectation in the fan base right too that, that you have to understand that you know uh, matt Nagy is is unique. And he is not going to make, you know, every, that is not going to be the case for every, and Sean McVay is unique and is not going to take everyone in year two and make them something else. Look at Carson Wentz. He did it. Okay, but that's not that's not normal and hasn't been normal. Someone like Patrick Mahomes didn't play year one and in year two is able to make that leap. Josh Rosen is still a young kid. and And you mentioned Christian Kirk earlier. I wanted to ask you about that. Josh Rosen, by the way, doesn't turn 22 until February, which is crazy to me. Um, but I loved Christian Kirk coming out of college. In fact, as soon as I saw him basically get on campus at Texas A&M, I was like, that's an NFL receiver, and I want that dude on my team. What is your impression of him, and how is he, has he grown? Can he be the heir apparent to Larry Fitzgerald? Not that he's ever going to be that good, but in terms of being a number one receiver for this offense.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing is with with Larry Fitzgerald, there aren't many number one receivers that look like him. In this day and age. You know, there's not many... He, You know, Michael Thomas, I guess, is a guy that that you could equate to Fitz. Fitz was never like a burner, like Christian Kirk is. What the thing that that, that Christian Kirk is, is he's a game changer. He's a guy that the, the defense will always have to account for. And that's something that the Cardinals haven't had in a long time... From the, from the wide receiver position, and if they did a couple years ago, it was John Brown or J.J. Nelson. John Brown couldn't stay healthy, whether it be the sickle cell trait or otherwise, and J.J. Nelson can't put his two hands together with the football in between it. So with, <laughs> with Christian Kirk, we've seen plays like uh, against, the, against the Raiders two weeks ago. He caught a, a little wide receiver screen. and took it to the house 59 yards before anybody could blink. But when I were sitting in the press box like, oh, he's gone. Like, and, and that's something that not a lot of players in this league have, let alone a guy from a number one wide receiver position. So it's, uh, it, it's exciting. And if you have a guy come in as a rookie receiver with a rookie quarterback, it's a link that, be, that, that could work for you know, a decade if the money's right and if both those guys produce and stay healthy.
1: Well, and that's the benefit of having a quarterback or, a, excuse me, a receiver who is just just get him the ball. And so, with a young quarterback, you can say, you know, receiver screens that works, slants, hitches, the little stuff that that makes the throw a little bit easier. But we've seen Josh Rosen. I mean they they've been letting him chuck it, and I, I think that's really important. I and mean, the, the point that you made about Byron Leftwich saying, let, "Let's have you learn from every situation," letting Josh Rosen and not handcuffing him and saying, "We want you to only throw." you know, the eight yards when we need 10, if that's what's open, no fire it and, and let's see what happens. And then let's learn from, okay, what, what did you see here? Why did you make this decision? Because that's the only way that you grow. I think so often we handcuff these young quarterbacks and don't let them be what they've been since they were 10. And what I've been really impressed with is Josh Rosen's ability to learn from those mistakes and I don't know what your impression of it is, but it seems like he's the kind of quarterback that once he makes a mistake, he's probably not going to make that mistake, that specific mistake again. I know it's not the most exciting topic. We do, we should actually discuss how this game is really going to play out. And because that's, you know, that's that's part of the reason people are here. And maybe they want to, you know, throw a little my bookie wager on this. When you guys look at this game on Sunday, obviously Green Bay, the heavy favorite, a two touchdown favorite. What are you looking for in this game on Sunday?
0: I mean, it's play the Chargers last week, get punished. This week, we talked about yesterday. Bo and I did on the podcast. This is the the Cardinals are the get-right game for every team that they play, and the Packers need a get-right game. If the R E L A X Aaron Rodgers will show up again and they win five straight in an effort to make the playoffs this season, so I see this as just being a decimation of the defense that has given up already. They're tired. They're you know, angry that the offense can't stay on the field. And I predicted yesterday that Marquise Valdez-Scantling will have a career day with wh- whoever is going to start. W- who's the guy that they brought back, Bo? With Benny Benwickery that they cut? Oh, David Amerson? Yeah, David Amerson's probably going to be on him alongside Patrick Peterson defending Devontae Adams. So Marquise Valdez-Scantling will have an absolute day on Sunday in a route by the Packers.
2: Bo? I'm. I'm just kind of curious because when you look at the two teams, kind of in the same category as the Cardinals, the season that the Packers have squared off with, they beat the Bills, but they win twenty-two nothing. I think if you watch that game, I I did tune in quite a bit for fantasy implications, but but I would have said that the the Packers should have won that game. And you look at the Niners game. I mean, that was a game that they had to come back and win thirty-three to thirty. Was it a Monday Night Football contest? and the the packers have certainly been playing down to their competition and it, with with that being said and looking at the struggles lately i still believe that the packers are going to roll and and alex is absolutely right that this is going to be a get right game aaron jones is going to go off at the running back position oh my god i and don't even we watched a, a quarterback and philip rivers complete 25 consecutive passes last season I'm absolutely terrified at the thought of what Aaron Rodgers can do against this Cardinals defense. Don't be, don't be fooled by their pass defense, which ranks in the top ten, because it's not that good. And Aaron Rodgers is going to have a field day, and this is just going to be absolutely exactly what Alex said, a get-right game. And if we're talking about the my bookie line on this, I'm, I'm taking the Packers.
0: Yeah, I mean, if it was, if it was in
2: – Tell was me it, I'm wrong.
0: No, no, no. I mean, if it wasn't in Lambeau – I mean, I I think that maybe the it would drop to you know ten and a half like we had said, and Peter and Peter alluded to it. Maybe the number will come back to the to the mean a little bit, but yeah, Peter, go ahead. What do you think?
1: Well, the 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 problem, guys, is I've been predicting get right games for the Packers all season, and uh, so it's. I mean, this is one of those things, right? One of the times that you say it, you're going to be right and i was right about it in miami and that's the that's the recent game you can point to and say oh yeah this defense is capable of just beating the hell out of a bad quarterback and i don't think josh rosen is a bad quarterback per se i just i think mike patton and what he can do in terms of disguising defenses i think it's going to be really hard for uh the cardinals to score points in this game i don't think it's going to be as easy for green bay to score in this game as, as you're saying but to your point about Phil Rivers, I mean the guy almost didn't throw an incompletion, and Aaron Rodgers, who has has had some issues with accuracy this season, I think part of that is the injury. I think part of that is mechanics, and I think part of that is is frankly that the the, uh, the inconsistency with these rookie receivers. I love the point about Marquez Valdez Scantling because David Amerson, even in his prime, was like a four six guy, and Valdez Scantling is a four three guy. So, uh, I, and Rogers has loved to take shots this season. He's been in fact, a little bit more enamored with, with shot plays than I would even like Eschewing, you know, eight yards on third and seven, um, which generally speaking I'm opposed to, but, um, I think this could be the game where they hit some of those big plays. I, I, I think, I think you're right. I think green Bay wins. I think they win handily. Um, I don't think it's going to make anyone in green Bay feel any better. Uh, nor should it, and and I think that's just where we are in the season with this team, and I think it's where you guys are in, in the season with your team. And maybe you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. You might have fans at this point not only cheering for losses but cheering for blowouts just so that Steve Wilkes is not the coach next year.
2: Yeah. Go ahead, Bo. You love this. No, I mean, that's that's been an argument that we've had on the show. I, I don't think anybody within the Cardinals locker room has thoughts of, of improving their draft pick. They're gonna have they're gonna have a top top pick. No doubt about it. As as it's far be as good. as far as, you know, putting the nails in the coffin as far as Wilkes and Kime, they've really just set themselves up beautifully to do that themselves and just let it happen organically. Yeah. You know, I just don't <laughs> think that it's gonna be, you know, people, you know, willingly you know missing assignments and you know it, them playing to lose and get crushed i think it's just going to happen i mean we've seen it. it we were fooled that this team was building momentum in a 12 point loss to the kansas city chiefs where they held that high powered offense to 26 points but that was just uh that was fools gold that was that was a team coming off a bye week and a tired chiefs team and man have they come back to reality a harsh reality the last couple of weeks and most recently a 45-10 clunker against the uh against the chargers so maybe the maybe the Cardinals come out like they have in a couple games this year and they take an early lead, but, man, don't expect that to last very long.
0: Yeah, it's – Peter, to your point with Steve Wilkes and, and Kaim, uh, uh, both Bo said it correctly. They are <laughs> – the next job for the Cardinals front office and, and Michael Bidwell is to show all that the Cardinals will have going into the offseason. They'll have a top three pick. They'll have all this money to spend – and if you want to have a, a GM come in, whether it be first time or veteran GM that, that's that been out of the game for a little bit, be like, hey, you want to make your mark on a city that's really never won anything? Look at the tools you have for your first year. You can do whatever you want with this team. And you have two Pro Bowl defenders and and and, uh, and a Pro Bowl running back. So do what you want. So we'll see if they, and we're not going to get into the Steve Kime thing. We both think that he should be gone. Steve Wilkes, we're at... We're at uh, Different ends of the spectrum with that.
1: All right, Alex Clancy, Bo Brack, locked on Cardinals and locked on Packers for Crossover Thursday. Thanks, guys. All right, hopefully you enjoyed that conversation. Uh, As I said, it'll probably be uh, more entertaining than the game on Sunday, but it's a game Green Bay should win. And if you're a Packers fan, that's something that hasn't happened nearly enough for you this season. So enjoy it, cherish it, because it's the most likely outcome and frankly, if it doesn't happen, then we do have to discuss whether or not Mike McCarthy has a job on Monday. I think that's that's the only realistic scenario right now that that involves Mike McCarthy losing his job during the season. One of these games, if the Packers just get embarrassed and any kind of loss to the Cardinals would be embarrassing, then I think the, the, the hand of Mark Murphy has been forced. Hopefully that's not the case. I don't expect that to be the case. As I said, I think Aaron Rodgers at home regardless almost of, of who else is playing, is is enough. But Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, they're going to be able to score some points. And I just don't see how Josh Rosen is, especially Kevin King uh, was practicing on Wednesday, which is a really good sign. Uh, we'll see what what his status is today and tomorrow. But if he's able to come back, that would be a big boost for this secondary. That you know, if they have King, Jair Alexander, and Josh Jackson with Tony Brown as the fourth guy, someone that they can move around a little bit, I think that makes uh, this secondary considerably better. And if you're building a case for this team getting hot in the in the last part of the season, five and zero via the New York Times upshot model would get them in the playoffs. Based on what else needs to happen and is likely to happen, I think it's this defense getting healthy and overall the team getting healthy. Randall Cobb comes back and provides a little bit more consistency and continuity with Rodgers. Kevin King and Bashad Breeland get back, and this secondary really starts to coalesce. If that's the case, then Green Bay can, can be one of the top teams in the league because they are talent-wise. We just haven't seen anything to this point that suggests outside really of the Rams game that, that they're capable of being that team. So we'll see. I, I think we can't say this season is over until it is actually mathematically over for the playoffs because Aaron Rodgers is still the quarterback and there's still talent on this team. We'll be back tomorrow. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bupowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnPackers. Packers. Like us on Facebook. Leave a review on iTunes. Give us a rating. Let other people know why you like Locked On Packers, why you make it a part of your day regularly. And if you ever want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to let us know how you are staying Locked On Packers.